Hello, and welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm Editor-in-Chief Dr. Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Social Media Editor Dr. Sarah Wright. We're bringing you a special episode with our guest, Dr. Luis Campoy. Luis, we are so excited to speak with you today. Luis is a Section Chief and Clinical Professor of Anesthesiology and Pain Medicine. He's also a diplomat of the European College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia. In this episode, we're going to talk about Luis's November 2022 JAVMA Currents in One Health Manuscript, Development of Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Protocols in Veterinary Medicine Through a One Health Approach, the Role of Anesthesia and Local Regional Techniques. Dr. Campoy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So your manuscript discusses enhanced recovery after surgery, or ERAS, protocols. Can you give our readers a bit of background information about ERAS? Sure. Um, the concept of this enhanced uh, recovery after surgery, ERAS, uh, or ERAS, uh, in the human arena, it really involves the uh, integration of evidence-based, in some instances, uh, multimodal and really multidisciplinary interventions uh, with the overarching goal of optimizing patient outcomes. Uh, this involves a systemic review uh, of all hospital uh, patient interventions that we do uh, from the initial uh, visit, the procedure day, the perioperative uh, pain management, and lastly, uh, even follow-up. Um, perioperative pain management is, is really a key uh, and, they, and, and a very, very important player, of course. Uh, the implementation of these techniques have been really shown to reduce uh, post-operative complications and certain hospital, uh, hospital length uh, stay. Uh, most likely, the implementation principles have really allowed us uh, to migrate complex surgical uh, procedures from uh, almost from inpatient uh, setting to an outpatient setting. Uh, and this certainly would not be possible without uh, appropriate perioperative pain management, right? I mean, I think that's been the, the breakthrough uh, in, in this whole entire thing. Um, as, as the enhanced recovery uh, of the surgery protocols continue to evolve, uh, so do interventional uh, local regional anesthesia techniques. Uh, for example, uh, some traditional monotherapy opioid-based uh, analgesia techniques are being nowadays substituted by more selective approaches to uh, minimize the unwanted side effects uh, from, from all these opioids, such, uh, such as hemodynamic changes, uh, GI uh, upsets, uh, motor blockades, uh, which might delay early rehab and, and, and really early recovery. Um, so we are, of course, in very early stages, right? So, but as you know, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of impetus. So, yeah. I think anesthesia and analgesia is so cool. Like even in vet school, I remember learning about it and I'm like, this is so fascinating and just there's so much you can do with it. And I feel like we're really just at the brink of the different capabilities, especially in so many different species in our veterinary patients. So really cool. That's what you're working on. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So how does this whole concept relate to One Health? Um, um, we, uh, my main uh, uh, contribution um, 
it's, it's been uh, it's, it's, it's been improving uh, pain management uh, in patient undergoing surgery um, via the implementation of local regional uh, anesthetic techniques. Uh, back in 2003, and that's been a it's a while back now. Uh, I attended a rather unusual workshop at the time um, uh, that it was at the World Congress uh, of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia, and it was a uh, there was a workshop in in local regional anesthetic techniques, and the instructor was an MD anesthesiologist uh, from South Africa, uh, who is the who was the director of the local regional program at Iowa. Uh, clinical hospital, Dr. Uh, Robert jo- Robert Raw. Uh, as a result of it, the topic of local regional anesthesia became really my main uh, area of, of interest, and it was uh, and it's turned out to be a, a lifetime career on local regional in our veterinary species, mainly in dog and horses. In dogs and horses, but uh, nowadays these techniques are routinely. Uh, implemented in in all kinds of species, in calves, sheep, goats, alpacas, rabbits, pigs, almost every animal that I can I can really think of. And interestingly enough, our program has lately received a lot of attention from from our human uh, counterparts. The Cornell Weill School of Medicine, in, in that, located not in Manhattan, New York, uh, New York City, and six years ago. Uh, or so, we developed a uh, a new elective uh, week long uh, with anesthesia residency rotation, and it was nationally approved uh, by the American Board of Anesthesiology. This is a human uh, board, uh, whereby residents from the Wild Cornell uh, would rotate through our veterinary college, uh, and our residents will rotate through there uh, through a med school. And this experience really, truly brought uh, together the concept of human and animal health being really, really connected. Um, working with the different species allowed them to, allow residents to find a lot of similarities actually uh, uh, and hone their skills uh, while also introducing them to new challenges, particularly for the human guys, right? Uh, they would come really th- always driven by uh, protocols and a new, and in here they really needed to sort through new challenges, size uh, challenges, uh, anatomical uh, challenges, uh, all kinds of different things, uh, different procedures to them. Um, and I think they working side by side with doctors and, and anesthesiologists, the residents, uh, they, they saw a lot of procedures uh, and practices that they knew well, but it, it was like a it was almost like a new context, right? Um, and this offered uh, a, a real challenge, but also very it was very exciting, and it still is very exciting experience for for both uh, uh, re- uh, residencies. Uh, nowadays, still is a very successful and it's a greatly greatly popular. Uh, elective, the, as they call it, the Ithaca uh, rotation. But it's also very popular with our residents. They love going down there. Uh, by the time their residents come up to us, the, their senior residents, they would have done all their main rotations. Uh, that is OBGYN. They would have done cardiothoracic, uh, cancer, uh, pretty much every rotation there is, uh, pediatrics. So, and, and interestingly enough, the majority of residents that would pick our, choose our rotation 
would would be uh, willing to go and do a fellowship in either pediatrics or local regional anesthesia. So both programs came together really nice and still, as in now, they still going very strong. So we learn a ton out of uh, of each other, which has obviously helped us uh, uh, develop many many different. Uh, uh, put in, implement different changes, uh, learn new techniques, uh, uh, somewhat extrapolate or or, or uh, accommodate different techniques. That's uh, and also collaborating in in, in many uh, research and many cases. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, uh, Louis. You know, we've been colleagues for probably a couple of decades, and I can speak firsthand on uh, how you've really helped not just my clinical animals but the research animals. You know, preventing that pain preoperatively and some of the knee surgeries that we do, surgery in the stifle. And it not just helps with all the medication, as you said, and the post-op complications associated with the medication, but the recovery of the animals is really wonderful to see. Uh, and then that lessens the workload for your group as well. You and I have also talked uh, off script a little bit about how do you convince people that you can do a TPLO on an outpatient basis. How do you how do you get buy-in from people to say they don't need to stay here for two days anymore? How do you how do you help surgeons and and medicine clinicians make that transition? It's 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 never been an easy road. Uh, I think now all we see is the tail end of it and and how easy it has become. Where now it's more. A request uh, and, it's, and it's become totally routine, right? Uh, but it's not always been like that. Uh, and I think that the what made it uh, really was the the collaboration between between all the parties involved uh, and really take ownership of uh, really of of the research and of the implementation, right? Uh, at the time, uh, we did all the injections all the dissections all the all the clinical result we 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 did them together uh, alone uh, hand in hand uh, we published uh, results together we joined also with anat anatomists uh, we uh, sat down and we looked at procedures and it was it was it was a very co-joined uh, 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 effort um, but also, I think uh, it's been the, as I said, the, the ownership of, of, of all these procedures uh, back where when we we really uh, uh, we went there to speak to owners and explain to them uh, what we were doing and the advantages of it, and to we actually obtained our own uh, private, if you like, uh, uh, informed uh, clinical consent to do all these things. Uh, but again, people only see now the, the results and the results are, I mean, as you said, uh, speak for themselves uh, to a point that uh, they have really become routine in, in a day-by-day -day practice. And, and now the, 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 pretty much every clinician is, is willing to, they have all, they all, they all programmed themselves and they, they've come to our uh, wet labs and they've done the uh, the bar boot camps and uh, it, it has become a big re revolution, right? In the way we we do we provide an uh, analgesia, this, this perioperative analgesia, and I think uh, I'm not sure that at the time we we expected 
uh, this success, uh, I mean, is 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 obviously welcome. Um, but it, but it's, uh, I think every step of the way has been has been really rewarding, and and that helped us. Uh, we kept going, and and now we we're taking things uh, to to a different level, right? So we we we're moving on constantly, but but also so is surgery. I think surgical procedures get more and more uh, involved. Uh, uh, so pretty much every discipline needs to somehow pull together in the same direction. I think that's I think that's the key. I think the I think the collaboration has been and the and the uh, talking about procedures. I think it's uh, together. I think it's been it's been the key. Uh, and I think re, uh, certainly uh, I'm not going to lie, but certainly re, good results and very very few complications. I think they were. They were the key at the time. I always said to uh, new clinicians learning these techniques that you cannot afford having a complication for the first initial two years. A complication would be devastating for for a a program that is starting. So always do the techniques that you know that work. Those two that you know that always work. You can always build up from there. You can always get. Uh, you need to gain the trust. Uh, once you have the trust, it's a different thing. Uh, but you need to train hard uh, and get the results. That's there's no question. Yeah, you said earlier that one of the things that inspired you is when you went to that course about local regional anesthesia. But what piqued your interest in the course in the first place? How did you find it, and and what made you interested even just in attending? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still don't know. Uh, it, it, it's it's interesting because that course changed my whole entire professional career and it wasn't just mine uh i just happy i just happened to uh meet uh one of another vet uh anesthesiologist there uh, and we've been really really close friends ever since since we we do all these boot camps together we've been co-editors of of many papers uh, books on local regional and we both attended uh, that uh, that course, Dr. Matt Reed, at the time he was in uh, uh, Dr. Emma Emma Reed's uh, uh, husband. Uh, we've been really close friends. Uh, at the time he was, they were still in in, in Calgary in Canada, uh, now in in Ohio. Uh, but as I said, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was the novelty. I think it was uh, at the time it was all general anesthesia. At the time it was it just seemed to to be. Oh, I wonder what this is all about. Uh, and the fact that it was uh, being given by an MD, I think that kind of caught my uh, caught my eye. Um, but uh, and funny enough, uh, with that MD, Dr. Robert Rowe, he was the one that um, wrote the uh, foreword in our first book, and uh, we bumped into each other many many times. Uh, we've been having we had a lot of dinners together in his house, and we became really close friends too ever since. And yeah, we we at the time we uh, we used to uh, uh, comment on each other's cases, and because there was a lot of similarity, uh, anatomical similarities at the time, nobody really knew exactly what these techniques could do. Not even in humans, they 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 could have never seen uh, what it was about to become. Uh, and at the time, we used to talk to uh, uh, and chat about them uh, and, oh, have you seen this? Oh, I've never seen this. Uh, what about this? Oh, this must be that. Oh, oh, I've never seen them in humans. But however, what about this? Because in humans, this is. And that's how that's how the interest developed and, and, and the, the research and everything. 
Yeah, that's great. It's always fun to have cross species, cross human veterinary uh, collaborations. It does a lot for our profession as well. Mm. What what couple life lessons would you share to maybe a junior faculty who's trying to emulate your success? My success? Good grief. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure that I'm the most indicated individual to uh, give advice to anyone, but um, well, what I can tell you is that one should never lose uh, enthusiasm. And uh, oftentimes, uh, just looking at these patients in the eye uh, as they're emerging from anesthesia, and they could be dogs, they could be horses, uh, they could be alpacas, they could be pigs, they could be anything. But compared to what they used to look, uh, it makes the you know the, the really the stress of our profession uh, that our profession carries almost go away. Um, every patient has that look. Uh, every patient looks different. Every patient does different things. But as I say, certainly there is a very tangible difference between what it used to be and what it is now. Uh, seeing these guys, these horses walking back to the stall after having had sinus surgery, after having had a very involved dentistry uh, procedures uh, with restorative lesions and start nibbling their hay, uh, walk back to the stall. Uh, for these dogs after a total hip or after involved uh, pelvic surgery or knee surgery, uh, for to name a few, uh, see them eating food and, and walking and wagging the tail uh, only a few hours uh, following the, the procedure. It really makes life better, really. Uh, it's, a good, it's, a good, uh, it's a good feeling being, being part of it. That made me feel good just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, that sounds so nice. But definitely that instant gratification just sounds like a really rewarding part of being an anesthesiologist, really for any practitioner who's doing anything with anesthesia. So thanks for sharing that. It is gratifying. It is gratifying. And I think uh, what it really is gratifying is to see the before and after. I think once you've seen it, as they say, it cannot be unseen. And I think it's what uh, Lisa alluded before with her sheep. Uh, and I think it's not just her. Uh, obviously, she knows that even I was uh, amazed about the results because initially when we started, nobody really, none of us knew the potential of what we could do. Uh, but so is the nature of all we do, right? Uh, in, in in medicine, That that is the... That is part of the the nice thing about our profession. That is, uh, there's always a there's always a next challenge. Uh, but certainly, seeing these sheep being sheep and behaving like sheep uh, post surgery was it was eye opening uh, because you get into this routine. Well, this is what sheep look like after the surgery, and this is what they're meant to be, and this is what is meant to, and this is routine until you see something different. Uh, and then, and then, what you've seen cannot be unseen, and it's in, and that becomes becomes routine, really. Yeah. That reminds me of the advice that a mentor once told me. Actually, like the most dangerous thing we can do is do something because it's that's the way it's always been done, right? You always need someone to push that envelope and ask those questions so we can continue to advance the care of our patients. Yeah. So you're currently the section chief for anesthesiology and pain medicine at Cornell. How has this position changed your perspective on One Health? 
Hmm. It really has given me the chance of changing otherwise well-established protocols. And I think uh, I think we've somewhat touched base before a little about this um, protocols and, and, and procedures, right? It's giving me the opportunity to learn uh, new things by collaborating with uh, many other specialties. I think when you're uh, in a position like that, you, you get to talk to your peers more often, uh, somewhat uh, outside the, the 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 particular case, right? You you talk more about the OR throughput, uh, uh, hospital flow cases in, in, in general. And I think that, that gives you that kind of bird's eye view uh, of, of what it is, what surgery is, what uh, medicine is, uh, what cardiology is. It's nice, uh, I think, to sit down and, and discuss procedures and see how we can we can improve them. I think our our, our discipline, anesthesiology, I think, is, is in big demand these days, I think, uh, by many other specialties. And, and I think we provide advice regarding analgesia, we, we optimize, facilitate procedures, but also we 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 advise on 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 research. How can we get this done? Uh, bone bone research, bone bruising research. Uh, I think it was hard for these uh, for species for rabbits to be well analgesic, and it was very hard to follow up. And I think we intervened, and, and now it's 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 a very uh, thriving research. And, and same for for Dr. Forty as uh, uh, sheep and and many others, right? I think I think it's only under the point of view of being someone that people trust uh that people uh look up to is, is i think that, that gives you that niche that opportunity if you like uh, and i'm not saying any way of shape or form that you should trust me or look up to me uh but but at least my my profession that is uh, but it, it is rewarding to be rewarding to be the person leading and really an amazing uh group of professionals whom are all geniuses and as an, as individuals at what they all do i think I, I think i really love being in an or where we 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 all admire each other's profession and, and i would sit for hours watching uh dr fortier doing surgery another or orthopedic surgeons doing surgery uh soft tissue surgeons doing i think it's i think it's a great place to be um but as i think for me i just I just work. I just work here, uh, but really, to be honest with you, nobody really wants to be uh, the chief. I've offered my my position to many other uh, my peers, and, and nobody really wants it. So, uh, so, so somehow, somehow, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm still there, and I and I'm, I'm I guess that I'm going to be here for many years to come. Uh, but yeah, it is it is the way it is. We can always improve uh, what we do, and we can always do. Uh, uh, better, and I think uh, really is is the most amazing part of our of our profession, really. So your manuscript presents so much important information for specialists and general practitioners working with a wide range of species. If you could pick one message, what is the main clinical take home message from your work that you would like veterinarians to know? I think is really what I just said. I, I think uh, I think we can. There's always there's always something that we can improve. I think that we should never settle for for what we have and what we're doing. 
uh, you should settle from uh, uh, obviously so, someone can argue what works you know why if it is not broken it doesn't need to be to be fixed but who is to say that it's not broken and who is to say that we cannot improve and sometimes we need to see the result to realize what it was prior to it to see the difference right is it a trend sometimes and subtle improvements are are sometimes they make a world of difference uh whether or not something causes motor dysfunction post-operatively when we started doing uh doing this uh implementing these these uh, surgeries knee surgery uh, these techniques that is uh, knee surgery uh, we used to cause uh, motor dysfunction of the quadriceps so these these dogs couldn't walk couldn't bear their weight so and that was amazing because the analgesia was uncanny it was you couldn't match it at least they could walk on three legs as opposed to when we used to do epidurals and of course there wasn't any urinary retention there wasn't any unwanted clipping and there was always been the nemesis right and in, in in the small animal uh, community and but yet we we improved it now we do the same uh but now we don't cause uh motor dysfunction and these guys are they they have complete uh motor function and they they walk on four legs even the operated one and i think that was uh that was an improvement to the improvement so i think we can always do better and and that's the, as I said, this is is the amazing thing of, of what we do. We're in constant, constantly evolving, I think, and constantly re- reinventing ourselves. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You know, it's it's also listening to the students and the technicians that sometimes they make observations that help us be like, hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we can we can still do better. Um, so as we wrap up the scientific side of our interview, it's been really fun. Uh, but one of the things we like to end with is something a little bit more personal. So I can see you're sitting at your Cornell desk. And what Sarah and Lisa would, and our audience would like to know is what is the most interesting or the oldest thing in your desk drawer? You've been in that desk for a couple of decades. What's in there? <laughs> I did not see that question coming. Um, well, there is a... Hmm. There is an IKEA measuring tape, <laughs> a paper, and it, this probably has. I, I think this is when I moved to to Ithaca uh, sixteen years ago, which is when I bought some of the furniture from from IKEA. So it must be there since then, and it's been sixteen, seventeen years. So I am with complete confidence. I can tell you that's probably one of the oldest. Uh, items that I can find in the drawer, uh, perhaps some, some dust as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it probably awesome. must have some uh, used. I uh, must have used it at some point as a reference uh, in some of the anatomy pictures when I couldn't find an actual ruler. Uh, but it's been there. <laughs> it's been there ever <laughs> since. The the, paper, the quality of that paper must be really good. That's awesome. Very nice and practical too. I mean, I guess you could maybe use that again. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I think it's actually become a bit of a relic. Collector's, collector's piece, that is. It's funny. Yeah, we have some of those too in the publications division. Lately, we've been going around and kind of just seeing what we have from kind of like the history of publication at the AVMA. And I'm learning lots of things. Every day I come to the office, is very educational. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. But, 
Thank you so much, Dr. Campoy. You can read Dr. Campoy's manuscript in our virtual collection of open access Currents in One Health manuscripts on our journal website. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright with Dr. Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.